0: Hello and welcome to What Was That About with Kate and Sophia. I'm Kate and I'm Sophia. And What Was That About is a show
1: where we talk books, movies, music, media, all things pop culture. Now let's
0: get into it. Today we are going to go on an even deeper dive into the new Hunger Games movie. Our last ep- our episode last week we it was right after it was recorded right after we watched it, so it was our fresh chaotic, uh, very um jumbled thoughts. Yes. So now we're kinda gonna go a more calm, calm, uh, calm route.
1: Yes. And if you want to hear our first episode, you can listen to us at what was that about on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any other podcast streaming service, we're there. So
0: if you enjoyed this episode, go check that one out as well. Also you can find us on Instagram, um, at what was that about. What dot that dot yeah, so was there's dots dot in between about. each word, but uh, you can find us. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways. Um, so let's get into it, I guess. So what stuck with you after kind of a week of being able to process your thoughts about it?
1: I mean, this is a little bit of a basic take, I will admit. But I just still think, wow, that was a really good movie. Yeah. I could rewatch that right now, and I think I could get so much more meaning, and I would still really enjoy it. Because I feel like a lot of the time, after I read a book or I watch a movie... I really like it at first because I just finished it and it's like, yay. Yeah. But then I start picking it apart and finding problems and I just feel like that
0: movie was so impactful to me as a whole after a week. How about you? Yeah. Um, I think what kind of stuck with me is like there's aspects of The Hunger Games that are you can already kind of see a reflection in our society now and I feel like in that sense it was kind of scary. And what I mean by that is like Because I'm talking about, like, a very, like, superficial surface level one where it's, like, you can see, like, I feel like every single year, like, at the Met Gala, for example, like, celebrities, the, like, and the, like, elites of our society, the extravagance of their outfits and fashion and, like, all those things gets more and more insane and very capitalist. Like, if we think about the Met Gala last year, um... And we think about like the way capital people dress, mm-hmm. and you think about like Doja Cat with like her fake cat face situation. Yeah. I don't know if anyone remembers this. It was very traumatic when I saw that. I I've not agree gotten it. over it. <laughs> um, I completely agree. But it 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 gives me extreme capital vibes, and like and like or like Heidi Klum's Halloween party where everyone dresses in the most like ridiculous extravagant costumes like it just it 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 you see how like oh like all this crazy stuff that the capital the capital people do and is talked about isn't that crazy like people now today are doing that who who have excess money and who who extravagance. I
1: completely agree with you and just bringing it even a little bit closer to home, I think just like the way we are and the way the people around us are, we are all slowly becoming more similar to the capital. just yes. because I feel like the capital is characterized by just everybody's concerned with these completely menial, ridiculous things and they're just always out of touch and they're always making light of yeah. all these issues around them. And I just feel like this is a problem for me as well, but when was the last time you really read the news? I feel like, wow. Like, if you really ask Actually, me. Okay. I do? follow New York Times on Instagram. I read the news every See, day. I follow NPR on Instagram. <laughs> so, I don't think that
0: counts. Hashtag but
1: staying um, in touch with society. But I just feel like everybody, If think about yeah. how much more knowledgeable and grounded everybody would be if we all just spent a little more time reading the news. And I try to read the news. I have a different podcast about STEM news, so I'm relatively involved
0: with that. STEM news you can use. STEM news you can use. Check that out. (laughs) Shameless plug. But I just, I think that hit me. I I agree. I think that, that like, um, especially where we live and especially just, like, you know, our situation, it's so easy for us to kind of be able to just, like, tune it out. To To, like, oh, it, like... It's even as simple as like if I go onto Instagram and I'm seeing a New York Times article and it's like the pictures are a lot for me, or it's like a lot to take in, I can just turn my phone off. I can just leave the app. But there are people who are actually experiencing those things and they can't just like ignore the issue. And so I think like often like in our little in our little bubble bubble that we live in for sure, we we get we have the privilege of uh, getting to, you know, ignore what's yeah. actually going on because we can and that doesn't mean we should like by yeah. all means we shouldn't but like i think that's definitely reflected in the capital people like they they have the privilege of ignoring what's actually like going the on deathliness the deathliness like and kind, kind of, hunger games yeah, yeah exactly and so i feel like i feel like there are some scary similarities and that's why i think that's why people need to remember that like books like the hunger games it's a dystopia. It's not a fictional book. its I mean, it is, but it's, it's a fictional book that's saying, if we don't figure our stuff out, we could turn into this. Yeah.
1: It's really just like there's the scene where the tributes of so the people who are going to fight in the upcoming Hunger Games quite literally are put in a zoo and mm-hmm. made an attraction for the people of the capital to look at. And they see nothing wrong with that. They're just so out of touch. Yeah. And they're like so willing to make, honestly, this horrible mistreatment of human human beings an attraction, something to have fun at. And I'm not saying any most people in the world are doing that right now, but it's just really made me think about being more grounded. Yeah. With,
0: I I just think it's it's like a it's it's obvious. The whole point is that it's supposed to be kind of an extreme version yeah. of what's actually going on. So it's like, no one today or yet, that's not happening. But it could, I guess. It's kind of... And I I think that there's, like... I think the biggest thing that sticks with me, because it's obviously just an amazing movie. It was really well done. It was a really good book to Mm -hmm. a movie adaptation. But I think the thing that, like, often sticks with me about The Hunger Games is, like, there's there's such a feeling of, like... Like, I feel like when I first, like, read and watched The Hunger Games, like, there was much more feeling of distance from, like, current life and, like, Mm -hmm. what's going on. But... As I've gotten older and maybe just I've gotten more aware or whatever it is, or things have been getting more, like, things have been getting worse in the last few years, whatever it is, I feel like slowly, like, The Hunger Games feels closer and closer to reality and that gets really freaky.
1: I completely agree. Um, On a slightly lighter note, my other reaction after watching this movie a week ago is I want to go back and I want to rewatch it and reread. Every single other Hunger Games. Because I really like those books a few years back, and I haven't really been super involved in the franchise, we'll say, as of recently, but I've been inspired. Yeah. Well, I reread the
0: Hunger Games. When did I reread them? Um, I don't know. I think I did it over a random break last year where I just was mm -hmm. like, I need to reread all of these. Um, and then I watched all of them last year when the whole Hunger Games renaissance happened on TikTok. Check out our episode on, on that, because that that's well. hilarious episode. But, um, but I think that, yeah, I definitely want to rewatch it. I don't know. Well, also the funny thing is we were looking at some reviews in preparation for this mm-hmm. episode, and a lot what I have noticed is a lot of people from like. Gen X and like I think the boomer generation is what I was kind of a lot of the movie critics so they're a lot older than us for the most part had very negative things to say about it and I think in my opinion that's very telling because I feel like every single person our age we've talked to who's seen this movie they were like struck by like it like yeah it everyone's like been like everyone I've talked to who've watched this were like oh my god like I like like a, one of someone in our radio class actually we were talking about this and she was like after the movie like I literally like just had to like drive like drive home like in silence like and just like process it like it was just like I think it was like so I think it really struck a lot of people from our generation for whatever reason and I don't know that it had the same effect on on yeah other people so I
1: have I have two possible thoughts about this mm-hmm. first of all my overarching thing is in a lot of the reviews it the critics just thought it was a little bit repetitive or they weren't Mm -hmm. really introducing anything new compared to the other Hunger Games and I'll say Kate and I thought this one was a lot more impactful so I have two thoughts about this number one is the older critics just haven't read the books they never read them they didn't watch the movies they just haven't been involved enough in this old world this whole world sorry to see the impact. My other thought on this is maybe they've just already been impacted by the first few Hunger Games because I feel like when I was cons- when I was reading and watching the original Hunger Games, I was a little bit younger. Maybe I just wasn't, you know, operating in a higher realm and maybe <laughs> maybe the other Hunger Games have already hit for older audiences as this one has hit for us.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a fair point. I would say I think um I think the one reason why I would say that like I think that this movie brought something new to the table was like by the time by the time we're reading Katniss's Hunger Games, by the time we're reading the books from the 74th Hunger Games, we're reading it from her perspective, the Hunger Games have been in place for so long. And like obviously we're like we see the capital people as out of touch, but in some ways and I don't I, – I I, did not feel like the Hunger Games were justified after watching this movie. I'll, I'll, no. I'll say that Absolutely for sure. Absolutely not. But what I will say is I think it definitely op- opens your eyes more to kind of the capital logic. Like, you still see it as, like, these people are so out of touch and this is crazy and, like, it doesn't make any sense. But also, when you kind of see – like, especially when you see Cor- um, Coriolanus Snow's, like, perspective and what he went through his, in his life – that doesn't give him the right to let the Hunger Games go on for seventy four years, but you can start to kind of understand like this is why these people hate the um, the kids of the district so much, and it's just like I think it puts some certain things into perspective, but I also I also kind of think that the reason why it's important is like you kind of understand that like. The Hunger Games wasn't necessarily something that everyone wanted, but because a few people in power wanted the power that they g- gained from the Hunger Definitely. Games, it maintained, and then Definitely. it became something that all the Capitol people loved. Definitely. Like, the reason why the 10th annual Hunger Games was this whole big deal was because basically none of the Capitol people wanted to watch the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. No one cared about it. It just, like, upset everyone. Agreed. Yes. And so I think it really comes into understanding it. And then, like... In the in the Hunger Games we read the original Hunger Games, um that we read It's just so it's ingrained like within the, society. Yeah. And the Hunger Games, like it's not it's like what are the Hunger Games for? And it's Control. It's control. But in the tenth annual Hunger Games, what are, what are the Hunger Games for? It's power. Agreed. And so I think like those are those are small and nuanced differences, but I think they are great. differences. I think they are important differences. Definitely.
1: Okay, so on a somewhat unrelated note, I have been spending a little bit too much time on Instagram Reels watching yeah, Hunger too. Games content.
0: Like, I, I mean to be fair, it's kind of my fault cuz I send you like a, three reels a day, but you
1: you've definitely awakened my interest. I've I've been pretty good about not spending too much time on Instagram, but the Hunger Games has definitely inspired me because I've been really enjoying the content that people have been creating i don't
0: know about you yeah i have too i think the funniest ones are like um because the person the actor who plays snow in the battle of songbirds Mm -hmm. and snakes because he's supposed to be like 18 in it Mm -hmm. um is a very good looking actor and and a lot of girls well not just girls a lot of people have very big crushes on this actor, and so like I keep seeing these really funny ones where it's like leave um like when you realize you're um you're giggling and kicking your feet for for um President Snow, and then it's like, oh my gosh, I think the other thing that's very really important is like if I feel like if I were to just watch the movie, I'd kind of like get that, but when you read the books and you get his internal monologue yeah. like it's just like,
1: yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. I've seen other ones where it's like me. Me to snow after watching the movie and then like people just like starting to read the book for the first time and being so humbled by yeah. how awful of a person he is when because you understand his internal monologue. The
0: thing is is his internal monologue, like I mean, that's the thing that's missing from the um from the original from the original Hunger Games too mm-hmm. is like Katniss's internal monologue, which yeah. I talked about before. Because I feel like that's such an important thing to understand what's going on yeah. and understand the nuance of like the action she's taking because otherwise I feel like she's often a very unlikable character. Mm-hmm. Um but with Snow it's almost the opposite. It's like you need to understand his internal monologue so you don't like him. Yeah. Cause agreed. if you don't, then you're kind of like eh, you're kind of like okay. he's a bad person, but like I kinda get why he's doing yeah. what he's doing.
1: What I think is really funny also is Coriolanus. That's a weird name. That is like such a hard to read name. And in the movie they call him Corio. So yeah. I've just seen like Social media content of people calling him like choreographer, or copy machine. <laughs> yeah, me too, it's me too, me like too. Every too. single other c word. Well, and also
0: the funny thing about it is chuckle. everyone thought his name was Cornelius Snow, like.
1: I mean, we we all knew it wasn't, but we all just like decided it was because <laughs> we didn't want to. No, but whatever like it was. no, I
0: mean like when we read the like original Hunger Games book, I swear like the it's Cornelius Snow and it was never Coriolanus Snow, but then he's Coriolanus Snow and. Or maybe it was just always President Snow. Or maybe... I don't know, because I don't remember. I feel like... Because I was in audiobooks, so it's not even like I was reading it wrong. Like, I feel like I would have remembered the person in the audiobook reading Coriolanus Snow. Like, what? Maybe I'll just call him Cornhusk Snow.
1: (laughs) I don't know. That was random. Um, Okay. Uh. But the other thing that social media has been inspiring is my listening of the Hunger Games soundtrack. Which I feel like we haven't gotten into.
0: We have not. Any thoughts? So... Um, the Hunger Games always gets the best artists in to make these True. songs. You know, in, in the 2012 Hunger Games, we had Taylor Swift with Safe and Sound. Mm-hmm. In the 2023 Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, we have Olivia Rodrigo,
1: Let's go. the Queen,
0: um, with a song, which is a very good song, in my opinion. We listened to it like three yeah, times on the drive You home. can't catch me now. You can't catch I'm totally in recommend. the trees, I'm in. <laughs> but um, I also think the other thing that was interesting is we have a new version of Um, Hanging Tree. Yes. And something I listened to recently Mm -hmm. because um, of um, Thomas Blythe, who plays snow. Mm -hmm. He was talking about his his playlist in this interview, his playlist to kind of get into the snow mode. Um, Now, I think this will only only be a memory for, like, millennials listening to this, but in 2012, um, The Hanging Tree came out, and everyone was obsessed with The Hunger Games, and then somebody made... A remix of the Hanging Tree, and it's like a for the for the the club. And apparently, they would play it in the clubs. And now, obviously, I was not experiencing this. I was five years old in 2012. Like I'm not Uh clubbing at five. But apparently, in the clubs in like 2012 and 2013. Uh People were like dancing to the to the Hanging Tree remix, That's and wild. I listened to it recently, and it was kind of fire. Okay, I'll have to. Give it was it hilarious. License. It was like, are you, are you, coming to the tree? <laughs> Anyways, um, I kind of like the new version of are uh, um Hanging Tree Hanging Tree, and like I just think it's so funny to think about like, imagine you're President Snow, and like, you know, you had this like two month situation ship basically where you, that caused you to become the person you are. Uh-huh in like 64 years ago. Uh-huh. And then this girl comes out of nowhere, Candace Everdeen, and she's basically taking down the ca- she's taking down the Capitol and the Pan M and everything, and she's doing it with the song that the girl you you like almost ran away with wrote 64 years ago and you thought didn't exist anymore. Like could you imagine him just sitting there like, yeah. "Oh, Okay. like no wonder he was so mad <laughs>
1: no yeah so okay two things one's related to music one them's not but i have to share my other mm-hmm. thing so first of all i just also think it's so cool that the actress who plays lucy gray baird rachel zegler like actually sang yeah all of the songs and i think some of them live for the movie like she literally i don't know that was really cool um do you have any other thoughts on music because
0: um I don't have any other thoughts on music but I do I would like to share one conspiracy theory that I have been seeing. Okay,
1: I have one. It's not really it's more of like a interesting connection that I yeah.
0: have. So, a lot of people think that um that Lucy Gray is somehow related to Katniss Everdeen. Um because there's there's just a lot of a lot of connections and then also it's kind of one of those things where it's like um, her dad was known to, like, be a really good singer, mm-hmm. and so, um, and so he would have been, like, the generation below Lucy Gray and her, like, cousins, and then Katniss has, like, a very beautiful voice, and she's very much known for that, mm-hmm. and, like, the whole, like, thing of, like, the mockingbirds, like, stop to listen to you sing, basically, or mockingjays, um, and so I've been seeing a lot of stuff how, like, people think that they're somehow connected, and that's why Katniss knows all these songs and, like, has such a good voice, and like she also kind of looks like um, like um, Lucy Gray in her description and stuff, so yeah. that was a fun one I saw.
1: Okay, so the connection that I saw is, if we remember in Catching Fire, mm-hmm. all of the people who have previously won the Hunger Games have to go back in and refight in the Hunger Games. Right. Yes, so one of the people, I believe from District 4, is Mags, and in that movie, she's super, super old, Yeah. but she actually won the 11th Hunger Games, so the one right after the one we see in the movie, so it's super interesting just to think about all of these, like, connections between the characters, and it's like, she would have known about Lucy Gray, and she would have known how messed up that Hunger Games was, and how the victor just, like, disappeared, and how... It's yeah. just like deleted from the records and super suspicious.
0: Yeah, and she was the first. I actually saw stuff about this. She was the first, um, like in Hunger Games lore. She was the first victor to go on the victors tour. The first one to like live in the victors village yeah. and like so. You can like see like how, how the the tenth Hunger Games really just like changed everything and like yeah. made the Hunger Games For what sure. we know it as today. And then n- now you have Mags, the oldest like person going to the Hunger Game. Um, the oldest person to like still be alive from uh-huh. the Hunger Games, and she was like the first one to experience all the things yeah. that are just like regulation for mm-hmm. for Hunger Games victory. So I think there's just a lot of interesting connections in there, yes. and like yeah, I, I just like I don't know, it just it it really struck me, and I feel like I feel like it's a good movie for I feel like it would be a good one for a lot of people to watch and like kind of like. Mm-hmm taken like try and like try and see see outside of just the plot and like yes find the message within i guess
1: okay so in conclusion if you haven't seen the ballad of snakes and songbirds
0: we highly recommend go see it i think you'll you will i think anyone can enjoy it is i really agree what i would I say agree. okay that is all we have for today i'm kate i'm sophia and this was what was that about you're listening to 88.9 the bridge